I want to talk about let my people go. Exodus chapter 10 verse 1 opens up with God speaking to Moses, sending him back into Egypt. Moses, whose name means drawn out, now God sends him back in. Why would God take somebody that he himself has drawn out and then send them back into that predicament and to that place? It must be that there is somebody else who is still in. Whenever God draws someone out, he expects for that person to go back in to bring someone else out. Has God ever delivered you from anything? I wish I had some real Christians today. Has God ever delivered you from anything? Whether it was sin or Satan or standards of this world, drug addiction, ungodly relationship, whatever it is, some horrible habit, some freaky friendship. If God has brought you out, then he expects for you to help bring somebody else out. But now notice, before Moses went back in, what God drew him out of, some time passed so that God would know that he would be able to handle it when he went back in. So God had already called him and converted him, changed him, commissioned him. Then he sent him back in to draw other folk out. Someone has suggested that when we go to church, we ought to see at least two things. We ought to see a Savior who can save sinners. That's Jesus. And we ought to see sinners who've been saved. That's me. Because once we start telling the truth at testimony service, I'm talking about what we've been brought out. As soon as we get away from this, I thank and praise Jesus for waking me up. And I thank and praise Jesus. I'm the greatest of all time. As soon as we get through lying and start telling folk what God really brought us out of, what God really delivered us from, that will encourage somebody else that's still in what God has brought you out of. So he sends drawn out back in to bring other folk out to deliver them. To deliver them? To bring them out of bondage, out of oppression, out of that sinful environment, to deliver them. Sounds like Jesus, doesn't it? And that is because Moses is a type of Christ. And don't misunderstand me. Moses is not Christ, but Moses is a type of Christ. The life of Moses typifies the life of Christ. Moses is almost a reflection of what Jesus would do in the New Testament. He's a type of Christ. Matter of fact, both Moses and Jesus had to be hid when they were babies to save their life. Both Moses and Jesus, when they were born, a king tried to kill them. Both Moses and Jesus led people out of slavery. Both Moses and Jesus controlled the sea. Both Moses and Jesus fed the multitude. Both Moses and Jesus fasted 40 days. Both Moses and Jesus would go to the mountains to get instruction from God. 
both Moses and Jesus gave up a life of luxury for the sake of an enslaved people. Both Moses and Jesus were priests, prophet, and deliverer. And both of them showed up on the mountain of transfiguration. That's because Moses is a type of Christ. Now I submit unto you that if Moses is a type of Christ, then Pharaoh is a type of devil. Because anytime God desires to bring you out, whoever or whatever is trying to keep you in is of the devil. I mean, here is Moses trying to bring the children of Israel out. Pharaoh's trying to hold them in. Sounds like Satan to me. Whoever tries to keep you back when God's trying to bring you forward sounds like Satan to me. Whoever tries to keep you down when God's trying to lift you up, doesn't that sound like the devil? When somebody's trying to keep you in slavery while God is trying to give you freedom and deliverance, that sounds like the devil. When somebody's trying to keep you drinking water and eating onions when God wants to give you milk and honey, Sounds like the devil to me. And I don't care what you call them. Anybody, anything, any force that tries to hold you down when God wants to lift you up, I don't care what you call them, it's the devil. Moses called him Pharaoh. Elijah called him Ahab. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego called him Nebuchadnezzar. Daniel called him King Darius. The Jews called him Herod, Caiaphas, the high priest, Pilate, Caesar. Jesus called him Satan. Because anybody that tries to keep you from what God has for you is the devil. That's why when Peter was talking about Jesus would never go to the cross, they'll have to kill me before they kill you. That's why Jesus responded, get behind me. Not Simon, get behind me, Satan. Because I don't care what you call them, anybody that's holding you in, what God wants to bring you out. Oh, y'all don't. Moses called them Pharaoh. Somebody here calls them boyfriend. Somebody else calls them girlfriend. Somebody else calls them fiance. Somebody else calls them husband. Somebody's calling them wife. Somebody calls them my friend. Somebody calls them my running buddy. Somebody calls them my ace boom coon. Somebody's calling them pastor. Somebody's calling them my buddy. But I want to tell you, anybody that's holding you back from what God has, I don't care what you call them, it is Satan personified. Let my people go. Yeah, when Moses told Pharaoh, God said, let my people go. In verse number eight, Pharaoh asked him a question. He told him, go on and go and worship your God. Go out into the wilderness and serve your God and have a feast with your God, your celebration. Then he said, but who's going? Isn't it interesting how Satan always wants to keep you from worshiping with certain folk? Don't let Pharaoh or nobody else determine who you're going to worship with. That's why some of us can't worship with white folk. Come on. 
That's why some of us can't worship with black folk. That's why Baptists can't worship with Pentecostals and Pentecostals can't worship with the Methodists and the Methodists can't stand the Church of God in Christ. Presbyterians don't like Catholics. Listen, anybody that loves Jesus, come on somebody, anybody who accepts Christ as their personal Savior and are willing to worship him, they can worship with me. He said, who's going? Who's coming out of here? And listen, listen to how Moses answered him in verse 9. He told him who's coming out. And Moses said, we will go with our young and with our old, with our sons and with our daughters, with our flocks and with our herds. He said, everything you've been trying to hold back is coming out of this place. Ooh, that's good news because that includes you and me, right? God can bring anybody. He said, who's going? Who's coming out? And Moses said, he said, first of all, let my community go. That's when he says, the young and the old. Moses said, I'm not comfortable worshiping while my community is on their way to hell. Let my community go. Let the, he said, the young are coming out. The young, I looked that word up out of the Hebrew, and it means from infancy to adolescence. He said, from newborns to teenagers. We're getting young folk out of Egypt. There's going to be an early exit out of Egypt for young folk. Moses says that I am not comfortable coming to praise God when young folk are perverted. I'm not comfortable worshiping when young people are wicked. He said, I'm not sad. I've already been drawn out. I've already been saved. My name has already been written on high. I'm already ticketed for the kingdom. But I am not comfortable coming to church and I don't know where my young folk are. That I'm not satisfied praising and shouting and singing unto God when the juvenile centers are full of young folk. Moses said, I just, I'm sorry. He said, I'm, let my community go, Pharaoh. Because I, I am not satisfied coming to serve God when young folk are losing their souls. How can we be comfortable? when 11-year-olds are getting arrested for drug deals? How can we be comfortable when a 13-year-old gets beat up over his bicycle and is in a coma? How can we get comfortable when a six-year-old in Chicago is arrested for murder? How can we be comfortable when a 15-year-old has three kids and the kids have no daddy? How can we be comfortable when the leading cause of death among young people is so, I'm sorry, my young folk are coming out. Moses said, let my community go. Young folk are coming out. He said, it's going to be an early exit for these young people. He says, they need to come out early. See, some of us get all disturbed when, when we allow children to unite with our fellowship. I've been criticized for seven, eight-year-olds giving their life to the Lord in this. I've been talked about. Why are you letting those young people in there? They don't know any better. They don't. Listen, I believe young folk, I believe what the Bible says. Suffer little children to come unto me and forbid them not for such is the kingdom of heaven. And when you want to argue why we let them in here, they let them in everywhere else. They let them in the crack house. They let them in the bars. They let them in liquor stores. They let them buy cigarettes. They let them in ill sexual situations. If they can go in there, my God, they ought to be able to come into the house of the Lord. Let my young folk go. We, y'all, we got to get these young people out early. Don't you know that the longer you stay in something, the harder it is to come out? 
Matter of fact, somebody right now is caught up in some mess. You, if you had come out of it early, it would have been a lot easier. Because sin will take you further than you wanted to go. It'll make you stay longer than you thought you'd stay. And it makes you spend more than you were willing to pay. <laughs> he said, there's going to be an early exit of these young folk. He said, I'm, we're bringing them out. Now understand, when we bring these young folk out, when we deliver, when these kids are getting saved, and I praise God for what he's doing in this ministry, I'm not talking about some mass evangelism like Moses did. We're not Moses. We, we won't be able to have, some of us won't be able to have some mass evangelism where everybody in the city and community is going to get saved. And I may not be able to have the power to do that, but I think I can get one or two. I may not be able to reach every teenager and every young person, but I think I can get one. Now think about if I got one. And if you got one. And what if you got one? And what if you got one? And, and if you got one, and you got, and what if you got one? Listen, if all of us could get one, I wish I had somebody. If everyone could reach one, then everyone will be reached. One of my, one of my favorite, one of my favorite illustrations is about that man who was walking along the beach. And as he was walking along the beach, there were hundreds, yea, thousands of starfish that had come up in the tide and now they were dying on the beach out in the sun. They were just drying out and dying. And this man was walking along the beach and he was picking up starfish and just throwing them back in the water. Just hundreds and thousands. He just walking along the beach, taking them one at a time and throwing them back in the water. And somebody looked at him and said, man, you crazy. Look at all these starfish on this beach. You're not going to be able to get all of them in the water. Don't you know you're not making a difference? And that man picked up another one and he threw it in the water and said it made a difference to that one. All I'm trying to say is if you can help somebody as you pass along, if you can cheer somebody with a word or with a song, if you can just show somebody that they're traveling wrong, then you're living. I wish I had somebody listening. Moses said, These young, he said, we're taking our young out. Let the community go. Not only the young. Because young folk are not the only ones in bondage. And let me, get, let me get right here in the text so you can see what he says. Who's coming out? The community. Who's in the community? Young, verse 9, Exodus 10, verse 9. Young and the old. Because I know we talk about young people. Young people aren't this. Young people aren't that. They can't do this. And they, young folk would just straighten up. Guess where the young folk learned it? He says, there's some old folk that need to come out of Egypt. And I already know some of us aren't going to like this, but, but the problem when you get to older folk and the kingdom of God and the things of God is that it's hard to get old folk to change. Now, before you dismiss this, psychologists suggest that by the time we are 30 years old, we are set in our ways at 30. And some of us right now know it's hard to change. Now, 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 now here's, the, here's the problem with that. Here's the problem with getting old people out of Egypt, getting those of us who have matured to, to change when we mature physically, to get us to change. is because you can stay in something so long until you think it's right. Matter of fact, you can stay in something so long until you think that this is the way it's supposed 
to be. That we're supposed to be second-class citizens. That we're supposed to be last on everything. That we're supposed to be the last ones hired and the first ones fired. That we're supposed to go to the back door of everything. We're supposed to do the minimal task. We're supposed to make the least amount of money. We're supposed to go to jail. We need to get some old folk out of Egypt. We're supposed to sin. Well, I'm only human. Well, I've been this way all my life. That's the problem. You've been that way all of your life and God's been trying to change you. You've been in Egypt. It's time to bring them out. Matter of fact, y'all know, know it's hard to just get, get mature, folk who mature physically to change because you can do wrong for so long until you think you cannot change. There's somebody right now, you've been caught up in something for so long that you don't think you can stop. You've been in Egypt, been caught up in some bondage in some horrible habit, in, in some messed up relationship, in some illicit sexual situation, in some crazy mentality for so long that you don't think you can change. I already know I'm not going to get any amens through this, but, and, I, and I don't expect any because I want, I want you to understand something. Some people think that this area in my life, is, this, this area where Pharaoh has me in bondage is so messed up, I just, I, I can't change. Matter of fact, they'll say, I tried, and I couldn't. I've changed in other areas, but I cannot change this because you can do it for so long until you think you can't come out of it. And somebody said, Pastor, I know I can't because I tried to come out, and I quit for a while, but when I got back in the same situation, same environment, and same people, I did the same thing. But Moses indicates, yes, it is preferable to come out early, but it's not too late to come out old. Y'all don't, see that's what Nicodemus, when, when Jesus told Nicodemus, when Jesus told Nicodemus, you must be born again. Nicodemus, you, your life is messed up. You need to be saved. You need to be born again. You need a radical, fundamental change that is so drastic, the best way I can describe it is a new birth. You need to be born again. Nicodemus, you don't need to turn over a new leaf. You need to turn over the whole tree. Nicodemus, you don't need to make some, a few adjustments. No, if any man be in Christ, he doesn't make a few adjustments. He becomes a whole new creation. You need to be born again. You know what Nicodemus told him? Jesus, how can a person that's old enter the second time into his mother's womb and be born? I used to think Nicodemus was way off the mark. Nicodemus, what are you talking about? Nicodemus understood what Jesus was saying. Here's what Nicodemus was saying. Jesus, how can a person, when they are old, change? How can a person whose habits have been cemented by time change? How can a person who has been so wicked for so long change? How can a person who has lived the way I have lived for over 30 years, these number of years, I'm stuck in my ways. How can I change? Jesus told him, it's not too late, but that which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the spirit is spirit. You must be born of the water and the spirit. See, you cannot change yourself. Flesh cannot get you out of Egypt. Flesh cannot get you out of a sinful situation. But there is somebody named the Holy Ghost. 
there is someone named the Holy Spirit. Don't you know, if you want to come out of what you're in, it's not too late. If you accept Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, the Holy Spirit moves in you. And then the Holy Spirit begins to work stuff. I wish I had somebody that knew something of the power of the Holy Ghost. You can't do it, but the Spirit of God can. It's not too late. My, my, my preacher, when I grew up, my pastor used to say, as long as the blood is running warm in your veins, you got a chance to change. Now, now somebody needs to know. He said, old folk are coming out. They're coming out. It's not too late. I don't care how long you've been in your sin. I don't care how late you've waited in life to get your situation right with the Lord. It's not too late. Let me show you that it's not too late. Remember Jesus died on the cross? It was not one cross. It was how many? Three. There was a cross on the left, a cross on the right. I'm going to show you that it's not too late to change. When Jesus was dying on the cross, one of the thieves leaned over and began to criticize him and tease him. You the king of kings, you the savior, save yourself and us. The other thief that was dying on the other side of Jesus leaned over and said, leave him alone. He hasn't done anything wrong. We deserve to be up here. Then he looked at Jesus and said, I know I don't deserve it. I know I've sinned all of my life. I've been a thief, a robber, and a murderer. I know, Jesus, it may be too late. But if you have enough mercy, if you got enough grace, I know I'm, I know I'm on my deathbed and this thing, but, but when you come into your kingdom, remember me. Jesus dying on the cross, let this man know even with your last breath, it's not too late. He said, today, oh, y'all got to understand something. If you're still alive today, it ain't too late for him to bring you out. Do I have a witness? Now, let me use my sanctified imagination to show somebody it ain't too late. Jesus is dying on the cross, told the man, this day you'll be with me in paradise. I believe he stopped dying, went up to heaven's gates that had been closed because of sin and said, lift up your heads, O ye gates, and be ye lifted up, ye everlasting doors, and the king of glory shall come in. The gatekeeper, those gates that have been closed because of sin, the gatekeeper said, who is the king of glory? Jesus said, the Lord strong and mighty, the Lord mighty in battle. Lift up your heads, O ye gates. And that gatekeeper lifted those gates just high enough that Jesus could take that thief off the cross, it's not too late, and throw him into the kingdom to make good on his promise. This day, you'll be with me in paradise. The gatekeeper now begins to close the gate of heaven. Jesus said, leave those gates open. Gatekeeper said, Jesus, we can't leave them open. If we leave them open, anybody can get in here. Jesus said, that's why I'm right now dying on Calvary's cross. That whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. It's not too late. It's time to come out. It's time to come out. It's time to come out. He said, he said first of all, let my community go. The young and the old, we all go. Then he said, wait a minute. He, the Pharaoh said, who else is going? He said, let my family go. Sons and daughters, sons and daughters, let my family go. What a shame it would be if I made it and my sons didn't. 
What a shame it would be for me to be right and my wife is wrong. What a shame it would be for me to be drawn out and my family still in. He said, no, 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 we're taking our sons and daughters with us. We're taking our families with us. See, y'all, it's not enough for you to come to church and you don't know where your kids are. We're taking our sons and our daughters. See, he said, we're putting out an SOS in Egypt. We're saving our sons. We're going we're gonna to deliver our daughters. We want to know that God has something for our families. I was, I was reading the Ebony one day, and I don't remember what edition this was, but they were showing highlights of young professionals who had succeeded. They did a story on these young professionals who had succeeded and made it and made it from the, the viewpoint of the world. And so they showed these political leaders and social leaders and, and business people and all this who had what the world would call succeeded. And, and they had a little biographical sketch under each one. And as I read each one, every one of them had been divorced. So as they climbed the ladder of success, they left behind them a trail of ex-wives, ex-husbands, and abandoned children. Now, I'm not saying there's anything wrong with succeeding, but take your family with you. Thank God we got saved, but bring your family with you. Thank God God opened some doors for you, but don't leave your family behind. You know what, you know what Pharaoh told him? You know what Pharaoh told him in, in verse number 10 and 11? He said, go on and, he said, you want to go worship the Lord? You want to go serve the Lord? Go ahead and go. Take the men with you. Listen to what he says. Leave the women and the children. Take the men with you. Go on and worship God. Have a feast with God. Leave the women and the children. Even when the Titanic was sinking, the first ones to try to get off were the women and the children. Now, if the world would operate like that, then why doesn't the church wake up and understand God has a place for our families? You know what he was trying to do when he told them to leave the women and the children? Told them, go on to worship, leave the women and the children. Because he wanted them to worship, but not be fruitful. Oh, wake up, somebody. Listen, listen. When Adam and Eve were commanded of God to be fruitful and multiply, they needed each other. Y'all ain't getting this, boy. Y'all gonna have to... <laughs> Listen, when, what, what he was trying to get them to do is to lead the women and children so that they would go to worship but would not be fruitful. Here's what Satan wants us to do. He wants us to come to church every Sunday, put on our Sunday go-to-meeting clothes, put on our choir robes and our black suits, put on our hats and our church shoes and put our crosses around our neck and come and worship the Lord and then do nothing practical and productive the rest of the week. He says, go on and worship, but leave the women and children. Now, if you leave the women and children, not only will you not be fruitful, but you will forfeit your future. Because I don't care how gifted all those men were, if they didn't have women and children, it wouldn't last long. Do I have a witness? He was trying to get them to worship without their family, which would forfeit their future. Meaning, when my, when my sister, when my sister, when we were growing up, with Tonette's here this morning, when my sister and I, we were growing up, Tonette used to love that candy, now and later. Y'all ain't never heard of now and, y'all call them now laters. <laughs> but they really, now and later. <laughs> we, we mess everything up, don't we? Now and laters. And, and what it was, it was, it was this candy, 
And, and it was named now and later. And that's the way Satan operates with us. In that he wants us to get us to do some stuff now that will ruin our families. And we won't even feel the effect until, y'all, till later. See, well, maybe y'all don't know what now and laters are. They, they're this little candy, and, and it's when you open the main package, there are about five little pieces of candy that are individually wrapped. They are segmented. That's why you can eat some now and have some for later. So when we, when we mess up our families, y'all, when we disrupt our families and break up our homes and try to worship without our wives and children, our husbands, when we mess that thing up, we're going to feel some effects now. But Satan is saving some other effects for later. He is trying not, Satan ain't trying to hurt your feelings. Satan wants to destroy you. Trying to get us to worship without our families, trying to get us to worship without our community. And we just need to make up in our mind, just like Moses, we're taking our sons and our daughters with us. Now, how do, we, how do we get our sons and daughters out of Egypt? See, some of us, some of us need to understand, we sit up and we boast and brag about our children, but they're still in Egypt. See, we boast and brag that they've gone to great universities and they drive great automobiles and live in wonderful neighborhoods and make a lot of money. But where are they? Some of them are still in Egypt. See, just because we get them out of ignorance doesn't mean we brought them out of Egypt. I want my sons to be educated. I want them to have education, but I also want them to have revelations. I'm getting them out of Egypt. Just because your son just bought a custom home in the suburbs, just because your daughter drives a Lexus on Sunday and drives her Beamer the rest of the week, just because your children make a lot of money doesn't mean they are out of Egypt. We got to go back and get our kids out. What difference does it make if we gain the whole world, then turn around and lose our soul? He says, we got to get our family out of Egypt. We got to get, we got to get our, our community out of Egypt. Then he said one more thing. He said, who's coming out? My family. Let my family go. Let my community go. Then he says, let my money go. Yeah, I'm still in, in Exodus 10, verse 9. Sons and daughters. And then we have young and old. Then he says, flocks and herds. Those were his possessions. In other words, he was telling, he was telling Pharaoh, I can't praise God without my possessions. Let me, let, me, let, me, let me get on down here to verse 24 so you can see what I'm saying. And Pharaoh called unto Moses, Exodus 10, verse 24. And Pharaoh called unto Moses and said, Go ye, serve the Lord. Only let not your flocks and your herds be stayed. Let your little ones also go with you. Take everything except your possessions. And Moses said, Thou must give us also sacrifices and burnt offerings, that we may sacrifice unto the Lord our God. Our cattle also shall go with us. There shall not an hoof be left behind. For thereof must we take to serve the Lord our God, and we know not what we must serve the Lord until we come thither. Here's what he's saying. Not only am I taking my family and my community, but I'm taking my money out of Egypt. See, some of us have been delivered. We've been drawn out, but our money's still in. Now, how do I know if my money is still in Egypt? How do I know? How do I know if my money is still in Egypt? 
Well, if you're still buying stuff you don't need with money you don't have to impress people you don't even like, your money's still in Egypt. If, if, you're, still, if you're still buying what you want and then begging for what you need, your money is still in Egypt. If God has laid on your heart for you to be able to give to the kingdom of God, but you're so busy giving to JCPenney's and Visa and MasterCard, come on now. You do know whoever you are a debtor to, the Bible says you are a slave to them. You can't even do what you're supposed to do because your master won't let you. Money's still in Egypt. Whenever you are more interested in driving a car that is mobile and depreciates rather than acquiring a home that is stable and appreciates, your money is still in Egypt. Whenever you spent your last dime last night to hang out and can't pay your rent tomorrow, y'all don't seem to be getting this. Matter of fact, if y'all don't start saying amen, I'm gonna think y'all got a problem. Money is in Egypt because Pharaoh was trying to tell him, go on and worship God. Take all, take your children, take your wife, take your friends and family, your community. Just leave your money in Egypt. Spend your money among folk who oppress you rather than investing it in the new community God is getting ready to develop for you. Leave your, you know what he's trying to get? He's trying to get Moses to leave enough stuff in Egypt so you got to come back. God wants to set us free, y'all. But he's not going to set us free until we get it straight with managing our money properly for God. When people tell me, Pastor, I don't tithe because I can't afford to, what they are saying is, I have mismanaged what God has given to me. And since I have mismanaged what God has given to me, now I can't even do what God wants me to do. Some of us are like that Christian that was walking down the street, and as that Christian was walking down the street, Satan saw him coming. You know, the Bible says Satan has fiery darts that he shoots at us and he tries to destroy us and kill us. Here, this Christian coming down the street. Satan said, I'm going to take this Christian out. He pulls out a fiery dart, gets ready to shoot that Christian in his head, but couldn't because he had on the helmet of salvation. He said, no, no, I ain't giving up that easy. He's getting ready to shoot him in his chest with that fiery dart from that bow and, and couldn't because he had on the breastplate of righteousness. He said, well, all right, I can't take him out up there, but I'm going to try to hit him in his midsection. But he couldn't because he had on the belt of truth. He said, well, I might not be able to kill him, but I can at least wound him in his side. But he couldn't because that Christian had the shield of faith. Praise God. He said, all right, I'm just going to, I'm going to try to hit him in his foot so at least he'd walk with a limp into the kingdom of God. Got ready to shoot him in his foot, but his feet were shod with the gospel of peace. And then Satan said, all right, I can't get him in his head. Can't get him in his chest. Can't get him in his feet. Can't get him in his side. Satan said, I know how I can get this Christian. He pulled that fiery dart back, let that bow go, and that dart hit that man in his billfold and killed him dead. That's because some of us have been drawn out, but we left our money in. The old preacher used to say that we've been baptized, but our billfolds didn't get wet. He told, he told Pharaoh, no, 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 my money's coming out. He said, I don't know what kind of God you've been serving, but I can't serve, I cannot worship God without my wealth. I can't serve him without my silver. 
I cannot praise him without my possessions. And I cannot go to church without a contribution. He said, I need everything I got. And Pharaoh said, well, why don't you leave some? No, he said, I want everything because I don't know how much God's going to ask for until I get to where I'm supposed to be in him. And when I finally get to where I'm supposed to be, then he will let me know what I'm supposed to get. Don't you know some folk don't even bring their money to church? Because they think God might tell them to give it. And that's exactly what Moses said. He said, I cannot, I got to take everything because I don't know how much God is going to ask for. And then people have the audacity to try to tell you how much you ought to give to God. Don't allow Pharaoh to limit your sacrifice to the Lord. Moses told him, he said, no, I got to take this stuff because I cannot serve God without a sacrifice. And see what was going on, Pharaoh was looking at Moses' money, but he was not looking at Moses' history. See, when folk try to tell me that I'm doing too much for the Lord and I'm giving too much for the Lord, no, 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 because you don't know how much he's given to me. We got to understand something. I wouldn't have a dime to give if God hadn't opened the door. And all of us running around talking about how smart we are. That's why we, there are folks smarter than you that don't have a job. Oh, I've been to school. That's how I made it. No, there's some folk that got more degrees than you can count and don't have a job. And matter of fact, you're talking about you so great. What if God wouldn't let you breathe his air? What if God wouldn't let his sun shine on you? Don't you know that we are nothing if it's not for the grace of God? Don't let other folk limit what you're going to, you think you're making a sacrifice for the Lord? Moses said, you looking at my herd, you haven't seen my history. If you knew what God had brought me from, then you'd know why I'm doing what I'm doing. When people call you crazy because of your commitment to the Lord, just let them know what God has brought you from. See, some of y'all just have no idea. If these people in this church knew what I had done in the past, they wouldn't let me preach in here today. But I serve a God that's able to pick me up and turn me around, straighten me up, clean me up, place my feet on solid. Y'all don't know what he's done for me. You're talking about a sacrifice. Some of y'all worrying about some little sacrifice. Let me show you what a real sacrifice is. You're talking about giving the Lord a few hundred dollars. Let me show you a real sacrifice. You talking about a few thousand dollars, a 10, 15,000? Let me show you a real sacrifice where Jesus left heaven, came to earth, and you talking about $20,000. Let me show you a real sacrifice where Jesus, the king of kings, took off his royal robe and uncrowned his holy head, came down to earth, walked the dusty streets of Jerusalem, let folk call him Satan and Beelzebub. Let me show you a real sacrifice. Oh, you're talking about those few pennies. No, 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 I want to show you a real sacrifice. Where they marched Jesus from judgment hall to judgment hall. Where they spit in Jesus' face. And then they took a whip with leather straps. And they put glass and metal at the end of it. And they began to whip Jesus all night Thursday night. And as they whipped him, the glass and the metal will pull the, the skin from off his body and the flesh. I'm trying to show you a real sacrifice. You talking about two or three thousand dollars? Look at them laying that cross on the ground and placing Jesus on and they begin to nail his hands. I want to show you what a real sacrifice is and they begin to put spikes in my Jesus feet and they over there gambling for his garments but then they begin to raise the cross. Oh, y'all getting ready to mess this thing up now. 
I know you spit on him. I know you nailed his hands. I know you nailed, but you getting ready to mess this thing up now. I know you lied on him, but you, because you do know Jesus said, and I, I wish I had a Bible read. If I be lifted up from the earth, I'll draw all men unto me. Jesus died on the, there is no greater love than man has that he lays his life down for a friend. But when he died on Friday, that show ain't the end of the story. Because three days later, do I have a witness in this place? God raised him from the dead. When folk talk about your sacrifice, you need to point to Jesus' sacrifice. My brother and my sister, I'm not, I'm not comfortable. I'm not satisfied. I'm not content. I've been drawn out. I've been saved. Jesus is in my life. I've been filled with his precious Holy Spirit. I know why I'm on this planet. God has given me a calling in my life. All of that has happened, but I'm not satisfied because some of you are still in Egypt. Still locked in what God wants to bring you out of. So my brother and my sister, I'm going to tell Satan, just like Pharaoh, that Moses told Pharaoh, let my people go. God wants to bring you out today. I don't care what you've done, where you've been. God wants to draw you out. Young, you're not too young to get it right with the Lord. God wants to bring you out. Old, you're not too old. You still got breath in your body. Jesus still has grace available to you. 